Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm so excited to share with you this conversation that I had with Mo Aiken. It's definitely one of the favorites I've ever had on the show. She just has such a sincere heart for knowing Jesus deeply above all. And I know and trust that you will walk away from this conversation inspired to go do the same. But I also want to share about how sometimes we just don't know how to prioritize this time, this space to just be with him. And that is the beauty of the life work in my course, Tangled. I create space for you to connect with Jesus. And sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need someone to help us create the space to do the thing we need to do. The thing that's actually going to be more life-giving than knocking something off our to-do list. The thing that's actually going to help us find that peace that we have been deeply looking for and longing for. So you can grab my Tangled course off my website, JacquelineWidener.com, through the link in my bio on Instagram, um, or even in the show notes here. And I trust that it will help you find deep peace as you sit with the one who brings deep peace. Now, enjoy this conversation with Mo Aiken. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here with a lovely new friend named Mo. You may know her as Mo Isom, um, but her married name is Mo Aiken. And she is a wife, a mom of four kids, the youngest of which is actually only three weeks old. Um, <laughs> and she is a New York Times bestselling author speaker. She co-leads Bold Life Initiative, a ministry that exists to challenge, encourage, and equip Christ followers to pursue holy and bold lives. And uh, Mo has just written this book, Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God. And I just want to give a little plug before we start even. If you are feeling like, hey, I just feel disconnected. I feel dry. I feel weary. Um, then I want to say this is the book for you right now. Um, just that Mo does such a great job of helping you really enter into that space with God, that true intimacy where uh, we are fully restored. We are fully known. And so um, if that is you, Mo has been there. I have been there. Um, and she's done such a great job writing about that. So Mo, welcome to Ready to Thrive. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you even for just the disclaimer, the words over, over the book. That is exactly where this sort of was birthed out of that very place. So I would just echo anyone who is tuned in and listening and is at that burnout place or that, am I just faking it because I feel so distant or, you know, what am I doing type spot? Uh, he's so faithful to meet us right there. So I'm so excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming, especially having this three week old. I think if I was in that, if I was in that position, I feel like I would be like, guys, I'm just taking, I'm taking like a year off. So we'll see. Right. Uh, but well, the, like, problem, yeah. the problem is that we scheduled some stuff and I'm like, I'll be, you know, a month or so out. And he decided to come nine days late. So now it's like, he's just so new and I'm back in the swing, but this is so easy. We've got in-laws, everyone wants to hold the baby. So <laughs> we've got an hour, we got time. Got well, t tell me where this particular book came from. Like, tell me where this was birthed out of. Like, what was the season you were walking in? Yeah. Um, you know, it was, I write about this pretty early in the book, but I, I found myself in a place where I was doing so many good things, like working 
unto the kingdom, you know, I mean, had married, served, trying to serve faithfully as a wife, you know, having children and, and raising them up and writing and uh, ministering. We had just released my second book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. And that just, I mean, lit on fire. Uh, the hunger for that type of content just kind of sent our ministry to a different level. And we were giving yeses to things, you know, as much as came across our table, we were just going, 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 doing, doing, doing. And, and you know, like I said, earnestly doing good things, right? But I remember sitting down one day, rocking my second daughter uh, down to sleep. And it was as if my spirit just kind of came up for air and just gasped. And I realized in this moment, in this like holy pause of a cruddy feeling moment, to be honest, I remember thinking, where are you, God? I feel so far from you. I am doing so many things and doing good things, but have, have you left? Have I strayed? Am I distant? Because I can't help but admit that, that my heart feels far from you. And this can't be what this like blood-bought, grace-empowered life feels like, strung thin and burnt out. And maybe sometimes like I'm, you know, faking the energy behind it. And just weary. And your word says that, that you're faithful, that you won't leave or forsake, that you're good. And so what am I missing? Because I'm kind of at the point of like, I'm, I'm, I'm broken down. I'm pretty worn down. Um, and I think just a sort of like a disclaimer, we're not well discipled in the space of feeling like that when you are a professed believer walking with the Lord. Like, it's, it's almost like, you know, those connective moments of we need relationship when we don't know him, but to have the humility and the honesty in the midst of walking with him to say, like, I'm off, you know, things are off the track right now. Uh, we don't talk about it too much. And as a result, I think a lot of believers end up um, missing the fullness of what God has for us because we are doing so much, but we don't know how to just be, how to be with him, how to explore and, you know, be filled by true intimacy with him that sustains. And man, to be in that spot is really hard. And it's also very isolating because you don't want to admit like, I'm so exhausted, <laughs> but um, that's where, that's where I found myself. And I remember the Lord sort of brought to my spirit, this scripture that I'd come across a long time ago, and it's one of those ones that kind of scares us in the word and we move quickly past it, but it was Matthew 7, 21 through 23 that said, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's a scary enough first line. <laughs> Only those who do the will of my father. Many will say to me, you know, did we not perform miracles? Did we not prophesy? We cast demons. But to them, I will say, depart from me or away from me. I never knew you. And for whatever reason, in that moment, in that chair, it, it struck me, wait, this isn't just the non-believers he's speaking to, of like, away from me, I don't know who you are. These are people calling him Lord. These are people doing good works. In fact, they argue the things they've done. They bring that to the table. And his response still to them is, away from me, I never knew you. And those words just like echoed and echoed and echoed. It made me feel sick to my stomach. And, you know, I, I really realized I, it, that can't be my story. I can't get to the end and realize I missed it. And I never really knew you. Uh, and so what does that look like, God? Because what feels, I think, a lot of the time in the word as maybe... Um, scary or even condemning or hard he's so faithful to breathe out of it what is actually holy if we'll press in and if we'll explore it uh and so I just remember that word new it, it just kept cycling back in my mind I'm like but what does that mean and finally I I came across and realized that in the Hebrew it's uh, we lose a lot in translation a lot of the time, 
Um, so there may be eight different meanings, eight different words in one language, and then it gets brought to English and we like consolidate it in one word. But this particular form of the word new uh, is a Hebrew idiom, it's uh, yada, yada. And it's the same version of the word new that you see throughout the rest of the scriptures in like sexual context. So uh, Joseph had not yet known Mary or the man took his wife and he knew her. And then in a handful of other contexts in which God's talking about uh, the fullness of his invitation is offered to us, the same form of new is used, this yada form. And what it translates to, what it was defined as is intimacy, this layered, deep, most profound and connective form of knowing as we can know another. And I realized, oh, I thought that this was terrifying, but this is actually the most beautiful invitation. What you're saying in this scripture is that above just your profession, you know, talking the talk, above your performance, what you can do, what I desire and what will be worth so much in the end is to know you and to be known by you, for you to know me in the most intimate, layered, deep way. And that was such a long-winded way of saying <laughs> this book started from feeling so disconnected and colliding headfirst with what ultimately is the most beautiful invitation of the gospel that trumps everything, trumps all of it, to draw near to the heart of God and to allow him to draw near to our heart and explore it and touch it and heal it and redeem it. And I'm like, man, at the end of the day, maybe we're missing so much of what matters most and I don't wanna miss it anymore. And so I asked him to sort of take me on the journey of the fullness of what this meant because a somewhat like sexual word then colliding with Jesus' invitation to us. I needed him to make sense of that to me. And that's where Fully Known was kind of born out of him walking me through that invitation and that journey and what that really means um, in the context of his word. That's so good. I mean, I could, there's so much I could take out of all that you said. I'm just thinking of, um, first of all, being in that place where in many ways to get to that place, it was being in the stillness enough to even listen, yeah. right? I think sometimes we get in a place where we feel weary or we feel off and we just try to, we try to find the solution and we try to fix it. Right. Instead of like, what does it look like to create that space? And I think a great way to think about it as well is just in the marriage context of like, yeah. you get married, like before you get married, you're dating, you have all the time in the world for each other. And you're like staring into each other's eyes. You're like, we can let <laughs> that thing and I can do that later. And then you get married and you have kids and yeah. you're like, what? You want to spend five <laughs> minutes with me? Like without us, either of us on our phone or, or doing the dishes or something. And it's like, yeah. you learn at some point, you're like, I actually have to date my spouse I have to cultivate intimacy yeah with my spouse and I think it's that same thing with a relationship with God where it's like what does it look like to like carve out and say it's not just this isn't a um to-do list this isn't something that God's like ah, I wish you would you know right. really get into the words so you can um check off something but it's like what does it look like to just Come be with me to prioritize that to say above your your productivity to do list above yeah. your um, and I know for myself a big transformational moment was when my husband started giving me a full day. Um, yeah. This is after a huge season of burnout, work-life balance. Um, I talk about this in an episode in last fall, having hard conversations, work-life balance with Brendan. Um, yeah. When he came out of that season, he said, hey, you have a full day not to do errands, not to make appointments, but just yeah. what is going to fill your soul. And so that was the place where I started going for these walks, mm -hmm. listening to God, and what came up felt gross a lot of the time right. felt like oh what 
what is that thing you're bringing to the surface? It's, it's pride. It's yeah. like selfishness. And it's, but like you said before, actually, it was an invitation to this place that he's like, I want to do, and I, I've heard you talk about this before, this heart surgery. Yeah. I actually want to invite you into this place of freedom and deliverance and all these things. Yeah. And so um, I love that sometimes it just starts with that place of listening mm -hmm. and then the honest place too of like, oh, and I love that you said, I don't want to miss this. I don't yeah. want to be stuck in that place of doing or striving. Mm -hmm. um, and so for you, what did that pr like practically look like going from that moment to creating that space of true intimacy? Yeah, you, you bring up so many really beautiful and honest points that I could go on like hour long tangents about each of the points you, you brought up because to, to pull all of it sort of in a, a summary thought together was the beauty of what God started to reveal to me about his invitation to intimacy is that the physical world he's given us and the beauty of his design, what he intended, what he knit together, when it came to relationships, when it came to this covenantal love of marriage, when it came to this beauty of male, female, what we bring to the table, you know, even family, even, I mean, what does the word say? The whole earth sings of his glory. Like if we were all silent, even the rocks would cry out. I began to realize and see, whoa, everything you have fashioned into physical form teaches us of you. It actually draws us to your heart. And the way that he does that and chose to do that and uses language all throughout his word of the, the covenant of marriage, suddenly when we start to see, oh, this physical picture of like relational progression and all we go through day to day to navigate, how do we make this healthy? How is this good? Where do we see red flags? How did I, you know, navigate intimacy all wrong in this season? What is it? confused me about now as we're laboring in actual marriage to figure out what is right and good what the needs are where you know that sustaining power comes there is a, a deeper layer that he is working to teach us about how to rightly navigate intimacy with him and so what you said, these same concepts apply. You're not going to live a thriving, sustained marriage if you never talk to each other, if you never carve out time to just be together, if you're scared of, if I, if I put these other things aside, will it be worth it to carve out this quiet time? Or am I going to lose productivity on this front, this front, this front? Like, these things are so real that we get in the natural and God's like, Hey, let me pull the veil off of your eyes. Let me draw you deeper to understanding what they're also showing you of my relationship with you here in the spiritual. And, um, the, the first thing you said is really where my journey began is I realized there had to be a serious intentionality about my efforts to come away with him. It was this beautiful invitation he extended. I don't know, somehow when you get that it's a whisper from God, all the reasons and the rationalizations and the way, the, the, the things you've been using as an excuse to put it off, they just kind of fall away. It was a fight for a bit, but then I just heard his still small voice saying, come away with me for a while. Do you trust me? And um, I thought so much of, uh, I mean, what, what we see like Eli say, uh, what Samuel instructions to say when he's hearing the, the voice of the Lord calling him is speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so that kind of initially became my prayer. There was so much I could feel that he was doing in my mind and my heart, this like tension. And I couldn't even sort it all out. And he was like, then echo the prayer of Eli, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And what that meant was that I needed to quiet down and just listen, <laughs> just like get the noise, the distractions, the chaos, and just listen. And then he drew to me, you know, Mary and Martha, 
Martha gets a bad rap. Jesus loved Martha and she was working with all of her heart to, to do the things she saw as needing to be done. But he says at one point to Martha when she asks Jesus to rebuke Mary for not helping, he basically says, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but if there's anything worth being worried about, if there's anything to concern yourself with, as the scriptures say, let it be this what Mary has found cannot be taken from her. And so he's giving this permission. If you're going to stress about how to prioritize uh, what in your life, let the stress fall here, that you would so readily prioritize sitting at his feet that the, the stressors would become, how do I fit the rest of life around this? Not the other way around of how do I fit in quiet time with God, you know, in light of X, Y, or Z. And I have to believe that if he said that in the word, he's going to be faithful to preserve us, to provide for us, to um, make that time fruitful. And so it's kind of this collision of thoughts that were like, oh, okay, maybe it starts with me trusting him that to slip away, even if I'm scared, even if it's the messy crud, I know he's going to start pointing out, it's going to be good. It's going to be something I find at his feet that just like to Mary, he said, cannot be taken from you. And that's what I want. I want what lasts and what's sustained and what, you know, when the trials come or my faith is tested, I'm holding fast to what can't be taken from me because I found it in the hidden place. And I think I even put up on Instagram, like season of silence and just did this caption that was like, peace out. Like, <laughs> I got to go away. I got to be quiet for a while. And I started applying it to kind of all areas of my life, how I spoke and listened to my husband, where I chose to engage, what my yeses came to, just kind of slipped into the unseen for a bit. And whoa, when I say his voice will get very clear, very loud, and very frequent, when we will intentionally steal away with him, when we'll intentionally find our way to the hidden place and quiet the world, it, it was so beautiful. It's, and it continues to be, because once you've experienced it, you find your way back there. Um, and it's just like intimacy with the spouse. You're not, you know, you don't say I do, and then <laughs> like go at it right there in front of everyone. <laughs> like you steal away to the honeymoon suite. And it's a private secluded place to explore and to know one another. But also intimacy doesn't stop there. It continues forth in your marriage. You have to continue to choose to go away for a while. You close that master bedroom door. There's a, a place that's sacred for the bridegroom and the bride. And the more frequently we make the choice to find our way there, the healthier our intimate relationship becomes. So that's where it kind of began. Um, and that's a hard first step. I, I feel like we could say it took me a year in that first step of just fighting my urge to busy and do and prioritizing getting away. Um, even if it was for 20 minutes, even if it was for an hour, even if it was for a whole day, you know. Um, but that's where I think a beautiful first step that all of us can take. It just shows our priorities if we're willing to fight for it, to prioritize it or if it becomes, you know, further down the list. Well, I love what you shared there. And I feel like I deeply resonate with so much of my own story as well. And there's a few things you said um, that I think I just want to pull out. One really was trusting him and trusting him that it's mm -hmm. worth it. And there's been a few times for me, mm -hmm. one of the greatest game changers has been um, getting up before my kids. And yet <laughs> I'm not, oh, yeah. there's, I've never been a morning person. I'm not a morning person. And one thing that I either have, like one of two things will whisper. One is come away with me or mm -hmm. the other is it's always worth it. You never mm -hmm. regret it. Like I never regret going to, like you said, that secret place and just that place where again, coming tired but coming mm -hmm. expectant and it's those mornings where I have now I'm not saying you have to beat your flesh right there's seasons 
mm-hmm. where there are, and I know women are listening who who are not getting the sleep they need at night and other things. And so I do believe yeah. that he's he's going to meet you where you're yes. at whenever you carve out that space. Like you use the word intentionally to mm-hmm. steal away. And sometimes um, what I found in the seasons where I wasn't getting a lot of sleep, I just had to be wise in my kid-free moments. And I would say, right. you know what? I actually, going to get groceries mm-hmm. um, is actually not the best use of my time. Now, do we need groceries? Yes. But mm-hmm. are there, either I can take some kids with me, which is painful, but <laughs> but I can do it. I can order groceries. I can send my husband. Like there's, there's ways to get the things done. But in my kid-free time, mm-hmm. what is actually going to care for my soul? And yeah. so it was saying like, actually going for a 20 minute walk and mm-hmm. having the self-control to not bring my phone. Yes. Um, and you, those things that continue to, cause actually I, I don't always have the self-control I want. Like I mm-hmm. want to go spend that time with him, but I'm like, Oh, but I should probably just check that thing. Um, yeah. and I get so easily distracted. And so whenever I make the choice and I say, Hey, I'm going to be like disciplined in this moment. Mm-hmm. I've often found that discipline creates desire and so it starts off in that place of like this is hard like I actually don't want to get up this morning I don't want to go for a walk without my phone like whatever the thing is after a while your your body creates this muscle memory where you go oh no this this is what I need and I think um, we as a culture can be in this place where we're we are starving we're so parched like we're so thirsty and we're having these little snacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids love snacks. Like they just want snacks all the time. And Same, sometimes, girl. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we're out and I'm like, I gave you 50 snacks. You probably don't need dinner. But they'll be like, no, mom, like what's for dinner? Yeah. And I just see that as this, this is an opportunity to feast, mm-hmm. right? Where we're actually getting in this place. And we were just talking about a mutual friend of ours um, that um, Mo was on um, Bonnie and Brian Pugh's uh, podcast recently called The Union. And Bonnie has a young son and she just shared with me that because it's her sixth son and she's a busy home that she'd been feeding him and then like, yeah, he's got enough. Okay, he's good. We're going to go. But that he wasn't getting the hind milk. Mm. And she said, this is where we're at spiritually that we actually need to sit and linger and get that rich hind milk like with Mm -hmm. God. And so I think that's that's so good. So much of what uh, Mo was talking about here. Yeah, so good. It make uh, this is such a quick side note. I know I'm long winded. I'll actually no, it's it good. Quick, but um, it makes me think. This kind of goes on a, a, a spiritual front here too. But that place where I hit that wall and came up for air and was like gasping, like God, I feel so far. As I began to move forward with him towards intimacy, I had this startling realization. He kind of put together some thoughts I'd had for a while or vision he had given me at one point and I'd kind of just tucked in the back of my heart. But this culmination of truths that I was starving spiritually because number one, I wasn't prioritizing my time with him. But in addition, I was just feasting on crackers. I would just go to the mega church gathering, file in like everyone else, sit down. We just sit and we consume from one person who many times people think has some different degree of access to God's heart, some elevated spiritual connection. And I'm not, you know, discounting the gifts of teaching and of, of, you know, pastoral care, but we'd go, we, we'd consume and, and we file out and, um, it was just crackers. It was like sugar. It satisfied for a moment. And then I was starving again the next day and what my soul was hungry for. I was craving meat. The word talks about like, we, we, you know, have our mother's milk. We consume for a while milk, but, but we advance, we mature. And because I was so in this uh, dare I say it like religious cycle of going, consuming from another and then coming out and also not prioritizing my own walk. I was under this, I think a lot of us kind of 
may not even realize it. We have to be shaken a bit, but we, we come under this pyramid almost, this cycle of consumptive Christianity that's void of actual connection. We know our favorite pastor on Instagram's 15 second clip better than we know the voice of the good shepherd. We think the revelation that, you know, this person gave because they have such a thriving ministry is, is enough rather than seeking the word for it to be revealed by the spirit to our own hearts. It's like, we think there are these others who we can just get the seconds kind of. And God's like, I want to give you the full feast. You're invited to the table. I want to commune with you. And all of these, you know, supplementary teaching, prophecy, all of these additional elements are beautiful. And many are gifted, equipped in these ways. But this doesn't negate or replace your invitation to the table with me to commune here. And I think when we realize, oh, that Holy Spirit that was bought by the blood of Christ, poured out at Shavuot, at Pentecost, given as a gift to the believer, that's not so that it can just help translate what, what somebody else regurgitated out. That's so I can come into the presence of the living God. He's inhabiting me. There's an invitation to intimacy that's real and personal and rich and my own maturation, my own satisfaction, my own fulfillment and thriving is going to come from my yes to personally and intimately engaging with the spirit of God. Um, and I don't have a beautiful metaphor like the hind milk. That's so good. That's so rich. I want to go sit and think on that for a bit, but there is, I think sometimes this false form of intimacy. I actually write about it in one of the chapters, these different counterfeit forms of intimacy that we can understand in the physical. Um, but when we start to see, wow, that actually applies to the spiritual too, we start to get it. There's this, this masturbatory faith, this self-focused on my own time at my own hand. Like I, I'm just chasing the highs but it's not actual intimacy and it doesn't actually bring us into the presence in the physical of another in the spiritual of God. And it doesn't bear fruit. I write about like spiritual pornography where we're looking on to others intimacy with God and we uh, get the rush. Maybe we walk out with an emotional high. It felt like the real thing. Um, but again, it's not actually a covenantial love of to communing with one another and it bears no fruit. No life is going to come from that. Um, and I, I started to see all these physical counterfeit forms of connection that are very real. We get quite easily in the natural, what they were actually showing us of, of why we're so hungry spiritually too, because many times we're rushing out to the big stage or listening to the popular voice or getting that podcast in and thinking that supplements, that is, you know, enough. And yet we're worn out and we're not bearing fruit and we feel disconnected. And so realizing even the difference between counterfeit intimacy and true intimacy is so important. Um, or just like you said, we won't, we won't thrive. We're not, we're not there long enough. And um, I would just simply finish by adding, I, I almost think too, for some, in certain seasons of life, just like you said, maybe it literally doesn't even have the capacity to be a, a hour away, a 20 minute walk. The self-control of not turning on the radio when you're driving, of actually being in silence, of not you know putting in the AirPods and listening to a podcast when you're doing laundry, but actually being in silence. like the simple self-control elements that remove what ultimately just ends up being, I don't know, distracting, <laughs> you know, time-taking. Well, you say simple, yet it's, um, it's not easy, right? especially when we're in a place of habit. So whether it is, um, right, like we have those habits, I think about even just that example of putting the ear, earbuds in while I'm making dinner, if right. the kids are, if the kids are playing, I'm like, this is a, 
I love this. I love listening to something, but then they'll come up to me and I'm like, oh, I need to take these out because otherwise we are going to have a bit of a disconnect from each other. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I was thinking about how, um, you know, when it comes to really being fed from mm-hmm. somebody else, my my kids have always gone through this stage around age four or so where they want me to feed them again. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you're like, you're just being lazy. Like you, you've been feeding yourself for a few years now and yeah. it will have this fight where they'll sit at the table. I've had this with at least two, two that I can remember. And they'll sit there and they won't eat. And yeah. I'm like, but they'll eat if I feed them. And I'm like, you need to grow up. Like you need yeah. to feed yourself. And I feel like that's part of it is it's that like we can just depend. And some of it can be laziness because it's actually mm-hmm. easier for me to um, listen to a message, easier for me to get be fed. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not that um, those things obviously um, are, it's not wrong to be listening to a sermon, all right. of those things. But that can't be the main form of us being fed because yeah. we will be we'll be hungry because we're looking for like when I go on Instagram, I had this moment a while back where I think it was like a Saturday morning and I was like, I'm not really going to go on my phone. But then I had started scrolling and looking and I, I put it down. I was like, what are you looking for, Jacqueline? Wow. It's like, it like, I'm looking for connection. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's it's not there. Like my if I want deep connection, it's going to be with a friend. It's going mm-hmm. to be having a conversation face to face. But I knew that was something I was looking for. And so I think sometimes it's in that place where we stop. Like you said, we're still and we're silent in the car. And we mm-hmm. don't, we actually have to really pursue silence because silence is not just going to happen, yeah. especially in a, in a house full of kids. Um, we have to pursue it. And that's the place where we hear him, where he is telling us those things and we're, we're getting that connection. And I, one of my other favorite analogies I love to use is that, uh, my kids love to run up to me and mm. they, they say to me like, mom, mom, like, and they've got some crisis or some question and they all need the response like right away. Right. They're all yeah. just coming at me and I'm like, whoa, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm pausing for a minute and I'm going to now say to them, like, here's my thoughtful response to, can you have a popsicle at nine in the morning or whatever it might be, right? <laughs> like they're, they're coming at me. But often as I go to give my response, they have either left or they have changed the subject and they've, they've kind of mm. moved on. And I feel like that's what we do with God where we, we go to him and we're like, I'm going to throw up all my concerns. Like I'm going to share yeah. all these things. But do we stay and listen to the response? Yeah. And I think he's right there going like, I, I, I have something to, oh, like just the same yeah. way I do with my kids where he's like, I want to, I want to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I'm right here. Are you going to stay? Are you going to listen? And so um, all of these things that we talk about that seem so simple. Yeah. T- take so much self-control, awareness, right. habits, and even creating like, I think there's a very practical, what does it look like to create boundaries whether mm-hmm. it's with um our time or social media or other things that like you talked about that idea of the the noise like kind of turning down the noise yeah so how have you really kind of created some of those boundaries in your life in different ways to hear his voice to have that stillness and that silence and that connection yeah oh such good points um Man, again, the word that continues to just kind of resonate up in my spirit is just intentionality. Um, But I think as I began to pursue that and pursue into the practical, because it's like one thing to sit and talk about, you know, the layers and to learn from him, the parallels of the spiritual and the physical. It's another, just like we're talking about to really realize, okay, but practically, how do I do this? And I think sometimes we get overwhelmed or we shut down on the process of growing in this, this intimacy with the Lord, because we feel like we have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, We feel like we have to think up the, you know, unique, crazy dynamic way that suddenly this will fit our life because we're so different from everybody else. So how would it fit my, you know, and like we get bogged down in this 
thought of it being hard. And it is challenging, don't get me wrong, but harder than it has to be. Because when we look to the word, he has already given us the blueprint. He has already laid out the great invitation in so many ways. And I think sometimes it's, at least in my journey, it was realizing, oh, I should just take the word at its face value. Like I did when I first came to believe. I didn't know how to deeply dig and connect dots. And I just read the word goodness. I think about when I first came to know Jesus, I had such a sexually promiscuous path, so broken, wounded in so many ways. And I remember sitting down one day and thumbing through the word and I came across the scripture that was like, uh, and these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And it goes through the list. And the, I think one of the first traits listed were like the sexually promiscuous, the, you know, adulterer, the drunkard. The, and I, I remember putting down the, the Bible and looking at my boyfriend saying, we have to break up we're done here. Like I took it so black and white because it was this raw, pure, beautiful, whatever you say, God, it's for my best. It's for my good. And yes, there's layers to work through here, but like, sometimes I think we just have to come back to the simplicity of the word of God. And for me in that journey of the practical, one of the first things he draw, drew my mind to was he said, you know, my fourth commandment talks about a, a Sabbath rest, resting with me. And I was like, yes, but, you know, I've heard a lot of arguments about, you know, as a New Testament believer, this is just sort of in theory. He was like, actually, just try to rest with me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you mean the word at its face value? You showed us and modeled for us what was good for us. Not that if I don't chill out on a Saturday, I'm going to hell, but that you designed a way that would allow man to flourish. We need rest. We need to be still in your presence. We need to exercise the self-control of clearing out a day, like a, a Sabbath day to be focused on your goodness and your glory and your holiness. And that doesn't mean, you know, going to church for two hours and there I did the Sabbath thing. Cause then we run off to soccer practice and, da -da 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 -da, and we fill that day. He was like, I've given you a beautiful blueprint. If you will just start to implement it, watch what I'll do. And so I remember, cause so much I travel and do a lot of itinerant speaking. We as a family decided, you know what? It's, it's Friday night. We're going to have a big meal together. It's what we kind of see in the, in the Jewish, the Hebraic culture. There was a, it began at sundown Friday, big meal, rest Saturday at sundown Saturday, things picked up. We traveled to Israel. Um, and spent some time there and actually seen this come to life. Like the streets are empty Friday night, all day, Saturday, you won't find a soul out and about and Saturday night, the streets fill up, you know, and, but they've taken this beautiful, holy time of rest. And so we decided we were going to start doing that as a family. But my prayer was like, but God, all of my speaking engagements come their weekends. Usually they're Saturdays, Sundays, Fridays. If you don't want me going and doing on these days, you have to make a way. Because right now, that's how things have run for several years. Girl, I kid you not. We began to pray that in the simple prayer of saying, we want to do things your way, honor your blueprint, not out of legalism, out of a posture of, I'll cry talking about this because I lost my dad to suicide in college, but like out of a posture of this invitation of like, my heavenly father wants to spend time with me. And, and why am I so hasty? to fill it or distract myself or run from it. If my dad wants a date with me and I, I kid you not, we said, God, we do. We want to be in your presence and we want to prioritize it as a family and we're burnt out. And so please make a way. I did not get a single weekend request. I don't know, maybe one or two in two years time from that point forward. I started getting midweek university requests. It started filling up every day except our Saturday. Can you come here? Can you do that? We said, what? <laughs> By the spirit of God, he literally said, if you'll just step in and honor me, I'll make a way. But sometimes we have to take that step of faith first. And so just implementing that practical Sabbath as a family changed the whole dynamic of our home, 
of our marriage, of our hearts. That was one really practical thing. Um, that one is so stirring to me. And now I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain for the other actual practical ways. Cause that one was like, it flipped our world upside down. And once you've experienced the goodness of God and done what the simple blueprint of his word invites us to, there's no, there's no draw to go back. In fact, when we get too busy, we're like, we got to chill. We're getting ahead of the Lord. He said, chill with me. We need to, you know, scale it back. And that's so countercultural that we would scale back our yeses or our commitments. And it's really hard to learn the self-discipline of saying no to things um, and saying no to people. Everyone wants your yes. So suddenly you get an invite for something on Saturday, you know, for us at least, that's the day we chose. And we say no, and people are like, what do you mean no? <laughs> well, this, this has been our story over the last few years of saying mm. we committed. We said, we don't work on Saturday. We yeah. don't, we can play we can rest like we're, this is our mm -hmm. Sabbath. And it's so funny because, um, it, it is very countercultural. Yeah. And we, I was actually shared a story, uh, on Friday about how with the three girls and I, I said, girls, like let's take 20 minutes and just power clean. Like we're just going to get the place ready yeah. so that we don't do it. Cause we, we just have committed. We're not doing stuff on Saturday, but our house needed it. Like we were in a bit of a, right. a bomb. Um, and then <laughs> Saturday, I actually ended up doing two things that I don't normally do. I had a visit planned with a friend mm -hmm. and I had another kind of half visit, half errand thing with another friend. And this is not common. This was like, oh, I, I need to do these things. And the one with the, the visit, actually on Thursday, I really felt like God saying like, you should probably like let her know. Um you need to reschedule that. Like that's mm -hmm. not, and, and I was like, well, it's fine. And I took my oldest and we got to see your new pup. Like it was, it was a great visit. Yeah. I was exhausted on mm -hmm. like Sunday and Monday. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, and again, and, and my husband said to me, I was like, please don't be my like voice of reason or conscious. He's like, well, you know, you, you filled up, filled <laughs> you up your Saturday. <laughs> totally. And as he's like, he's like, I read my book and I went for a jog. I'm like, come on. But yeah. I actually, I love the moments where I, I quote unquote screw up um, yeah. because it just reinforces what you said in terms of like, when you've been in that place of mm -hmm. deep rest, when you've been in God's presence, when you've, when you've tasted and seen, you're like, I just want to get back to that. And yeah. I'm willing to have the awkward conversation that says, sorry, I'm going to let you down. Cause that's right. what it is. It's that I don't consider myself a people pleaser, but I'm like, I probably am. Like I'm probably yeah. not wanting to have the the conversation where I'm I'm letting you down. Yeah. But, totally. but that that's what I need to do. And so yeah. there's always I think part of this is that I want to encourage people in as well as you work on creating space for rest, as you work on creating space for intimacy with God, you're not going to hit it out of the park right. every time. You're going to learn from those things up and down, uh, but that it is worth creating that space it's worth flipping the flipping the cultural um I would say what it almost feels like screaming the sense of like productivity and this is what productivity looks like this is what right. um and when I tell people sometimes they're like what do you do what do you do today on a Saturday I'm like nothing like we literally yeah. did nothing and sometimes that can feel you can almost feel a sense of like shame or embarrassment. Shame. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Like, or laziness. I had a right. friend, I had gone to her house as well. Um, cause we also had a Saturday evening function. So it was just the whole thing was <laughs> chaos. But, um, but I was dropping my oldest off for a sleepover and my friend who was having her was sitting out in front of her house, reading a book in the sun. And as mm. I got there, she went, Oh, she goes, I've, I've been, I've been cleaning all day. Um, I just, I know this looks like a lazy moment. And I was like, no, I love this. And I, yeah. as I drove away, I said to my husband, why do we do that? Why do we yeah. feel like we need to prove our, our busyness or earn our rest? Like we actually don't right. have to earn it. Like it's yeah. just this gift. It's so, it, it, it roots so much. And this even connects to intimacy. It, it roots out of this performative nature. Um, and I, I, I write some about even in intimacy. I mean, in my 
unhealthy, very sinful, intimate exchanges outside of covenant pre-Jesus, there was such a performative nature because I was that Christian girl that like um, made the virginity vow. <laughs> so, but I was like very actually impure. I knew a lot about virginity, knew nothing about purity. So as far as I could possibly push the envelope, but still say I was a virgin, that gray area we all want to tiptoe around in. Um, so anytime I was in an intimate exchange, there was this wall that I kind of keep up of perform, entertain, make sure they're satisfied, make sure they want you or desire you or like you, but don't let yourself go, you know, all the way. And this was so toxic because when I then came into covenantal marriage, there was this performative nature to my intimacy with my husband. Yet when it came to truly connecting with him, there was an absolute block. And I think this is, I couldn't get there. My body would shut down for what it needed to do. You know, I'm sorry for anyone listening. This is what the book is about. It parallels physical intimacy and spiritual intimacy. But I realized in my relationship with God so many times, there's this performative nature and my relationship with other people. Let me perform for you. Are you satisfied? Do you think I'm good enough? talk about daddy issues from the suicide. Are you going to stay? I don't want you to go. You know, the, the, the man who says he loves me left, he abandoned. Like, can I perform well enough for you, God? Can I perform well enough for you, neighbor, that you'll think I'm amazing and you'll stay? And yet, when it comes to true connection, being vulnerable with our accountability, with our fellowship, with those in our lives who are near, or really letting God in to begin doing that sanctifying work of that stuff we talked about earlier is like cruddy and messy, but essential to be made holy. When it came to truly letting him in, I had a block up. It was like, let me just make sure you're pleased enough. But if I actually engage in what covenantal love is, and that is what our commitment, our covenant with Christ is this covenantal union. If I really let myself be seen and known to those depths, I'm not comfortable with that, you know? And so I'll just perform. And when we start to see how this bleeds into our social interactions, how it robs us of rest, just like you were just saying, and how it impedes our true intimacy with God, we really live in contrast. Well, first off to the scriptures that reminds us we're in this world, but we're not of it. Why are you so scared to look different? Why are you so scared to have to give no's to what the whole world gives yeses to? Shouldn't we look different, different enough that it draws people to the conversation and to the questions? And I'll tell you what, we think about like, oh, how do I live a, you know, proving enough life that they would see Jesus in me? just start saying no to people and resting. And they'll be like, what is going on with you? <laughs> Sabbath is like the easiest way to confuse a nonstop going world. And yet he's faithful to sustain, to provide. In fact, we find our sustaining power from that place where we don't hit Monday exhausted, Tuesday exhausted. We're actually compelled out of that place into a fruitful and productive week. And um, man, when we start implementing, when we can implement those boundaries at the macro and learn the self-control around those big things, we start to learn how to implement them, you know, more and more at the micro. And we start to find the space and the trust and the rest to pull down that wall of performance and actually let him in. And yeah, it's messy. And There, but we realize, oh, your abiding love is a love that stays. So you didn't even ask for my performance. You, you, you asked for connection. And when I actually allowed that, when my fear fell away, when you so tenderly like pulled off my shame and my, you know, trauma and whatever it may be, and I actually let you in, you began to do the work that is an essential work of your spirit. You began to purify me and sanctify me and heal me and transform me 
into the very likeness of my maker. And until we will allow him into those depths, we're not experiencing the fullness of his love, of what he wants to do, of his kindness, of his gentleness, of his faithfulness. We're living in this posture of fear that inhibits us from experiencing the fullness of God. And if we'll let him in, we'll realize that fullness is nothing to fear. That fullness becomes our very satisfaction, becomes oh, our, our sustaining force. And it's no longer works that precede the intimacy. Uh, he calls our good works filthy menstrual rags in a translation of the scripture. So why is he so graphic? Who knows? Um, but we'll realize, oh, when I first allow that intimacy, when the intimacy and the being with you proceeds, it's good works that are born of your spirit that come out of that. So it's no longer my efforts trying to get into your good graces and prove myself to everyone. It's intimacy prioritized first. And just as seeds of life are sown, you know, in a covenantal marriage and children are born forth, like seeds of life are sown with him there and good works born of his spirit to build his kingdom come out of that space. And it's a total flipping just like prioritizing rest is a flipping to our cultural model. Um, navigating intimacy rightly is a flipping to what we've always known of performing and trying to prove ourselves. And it's the best flip we could ever take, even though it's scary and disorienting. It's so worth it. And it changes literally who we are <laughs> and how we live. Oh, that's so good. Well, I, uh, I know we could keep going. Um, we, you've got a three week old, um, and other, three other kids. So, uh, Mo, this has been so rich, I would say. And, um, really you're leaving us with such a, such an invitation. And I would say if you're listening right now and you don't have to go somewhere, you don't have to be somewhere, just take this time right now, use that invitation let the words the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you through this conversation, let them deeply penetrate into your heart and start to do that work. Um, if you need to put a show on for your kids or just create <laughs> that space, um, pursue that, create mm -hmm. that space. And he's going to do that work. I love that Mo was sharing earlier. It's neither Mo nor I nor anybody else who... Um, speaks or does anything we don't have that um, special connection with God it is available to every person listening today just to spend that time with him um, he's going to continue to reveal more of himself to you and even more of who you are to yourself and so uh, Mo thank you so much for joining me uh, even in this crazy stage of your life and uh, where can people find your book and where can people find you yeah, the book, Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God, it is available wherever books are sold. Amazon seems like the Mac Daddy of everything these days, so maybe that's the easiest place to click right to, but um, also if you go to moisom.com, it has all of the books um, and several other resources, a lot of free resources on there under uh, at moisom.com can navigate you where to grab it. But I'm mostly social wise, I'm on Instagram. I enjoy Instagram. So at moisom, um, I'm right there and uh, we share fresh words and, you know, unpack truth and then share a lot of squishy baby pictures. So yes. <laughs> that's what's at moisom on Instagram. Those are two of my favorite things. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. And for you listeners, I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. 
Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something. But when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.